not just from a financial side, but also from an impact side, is really different from the way that VCs currently value companies. Though they have the DCF model, they have the VC model, everybody has a model, but they really take away some of the creativity of the founders of color and what they've had to do to get to this place, to be able mm -hmm. to ask you for capital. And so that's why I founded the People's Group, because I wanted to be able to create all the products that I wish I had had as a founder. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on the MJ Bulls podcast, we are continuing this year's Cannabis Investor Series with Christine De La Rosa from the People's Ecosystem. Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I've been wanting to have you on since I heard you mention the People's Group Fund during your Women's Leading in Cannabis interview. And just raising capital is extremely difficult for all businesses, but statistically, it's nearly impossible for women and minority-run businesses. And this is where I kind of wanted to start today. Christine, why is it so difficult for women and minority-owned businesses to raise capital? I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's a layered. You can't just say, oh, we live in a patriarchal society, a white supremacist society, a white male society. Like, it's a lot of different things. Sure. And a lot of things that I always think about is, yes, it's, it's those three big things. But also, people are used to, used to investing in people they know. They're used to investing in people that look like them. And they're used to investing with people who've kind of grown up with them. And one of the things that we know around women, and especially around BIPOC folks, is that we are not going to like Harvard, Yale, Princeton. I mean, some mm -hmm. of us are, but not a lot of us are. And a lot of the very close relationships, not just friendships, but financial relationships happen when you're in college. Yeah. Like I went to college. And so you kind of know people and people who know people who know people and founders of color and women founders don't normally have access to that group of people. So I say it's a lot of different things, but you know, there's systemic racism and all that other stuff, but it's also just connection. How do you connect? If you've never seen me, you don't know who I am. I didn't go to a college or to another college that one of your friends can vouch for me for. How do you know what kind of founder I am? Yeah, I think that's one of the ma major things. And one of the things that I really try to demystify for investors is that learn to step outside of your comfort zone to be investing in different kinds of people, because sometimes your ROI is going to be triple, quadruple of the regular people you normally invest in. You make so many good points. And on the surface, it doesn't make any sense because to me, a good business is a good business. But I know investors are like super data driven. What type of stats, the advantages to investing in minority and women-owned businesses? Well, there's a couple of really, I think, great statistics. One of them being that the way that BIPOC minority founders or women, the way they handle budget is very, very different yeah. than their counterparts, right? That's an easy thing. That's documented how they handle budget. You're not normally going to see a founder of color and even a female founder. Not normally. I'm not going to say nobody, but normally we're not going to go buy a $4 million house in the hills with our paycheck. We're going to give our money to our employees. We're going to mm -hmm. use that money wisely because we know we have to leverage it in a different way 
And we know that we don't have endless checks. I always think about the woman for Theranos, right? Yeah. How she spent the money was very much the way that I've seen a lot of like tech companies spend the money that are no longer tech companies anymore. So she was like an exception. That's why I can't say no women and no founders of color, but I would say a good 90, 95% just spend money differently. Yeah. And so investors should look at that. They shouldn't just look like, did you go to Harvard? Did you go to Princeton? They should be looking at how do you spend your money? How do you budget your money? And yeah. I want to make sure that you're not paying yourself $450,000 plus bonuses and you're a startup. Yeah, this is such a good point. I even know like in businesses when there's some really, really trying times, that's when you have to figure out a way to make $2 into three. You know what I yeah. mean? Let's jump ahead and let's tell everybody about the, the People's Group Fund. Sure. So I have a company, um, the People's Ecosystem, which is a cannabis company. One of the things that we've always had trouble doing was raising capital and not because we don't have a great business plan, nor do we have really awesome financial modeling. We have really great statistics ourselves. Right. But really, just generally speaking, it's not because of Christine. But when you look at the VC capital, I think Crunchbase just put something out last year. 4% of all VC capital goes to people of color. And of those 4%, it's like 2% goes to women. And of that 2%, like 0.6% goes to women of color. So I kind of hit it on all ground. Like I'm a woman, yeah. I'm a woman of color. <laughs> and so like, it's really difficult to, to have access to the capital. Even years and years and years after people say, hey, you should invest in women. They manage budgets better. They have higher revenues. Like that doesn't really seem to matter. And so I was like, I need access to capital. I know other founders who need access to capital, other women founders, other BIPOC founders yeah. that need access to capital. What if I just became the access to capital? Because yes. I am that person, right? Yeah. And I wanted to create a fund that I wish I had had in 2015. And the way that founders of color and the way that women founders need to be valued, not just from a financial side, but also from an impact side is really different from the way that VCs currently value companies. Though so they have the DCF model, they have the VC model, everybody has a model, but they really take away some of the creativity of the founders of color and what they've had to do to get to this place, to be able mm -hmm. to ask you for capital. And so that's why I founded the People's Group, because I wanted to be able to create all the products that I wish I had had as a founder. If a company is interested in you know, getting an investment from you, what sectors are you interested in and, and how do they get on your radar? Sure. So we're interested in all the sectors in cannabis, including ancillary and tech. So our investment stack is very mixed. We want that to be of utmost importance to us. They can just go to the website, thepeoplesgroup.fund. And there is a way for them to sign up there. We answer all the emails. Last year, we ushered 20 groups through our accelerator to get them prepared for investment. And right now in our pipeline is about 10 additional groups. Because one of the things that a lot of people, and, and this happened to me, like, I just want to be fully transparent. I remember the first time somebody asked me for a data room and I'm like, what are you talking about? I come from the legacy market. We don't have data rooms. We have grow rooms, very <laughs> different. And so when I meet a lot of the founders, founders that are new founders, founders that are coming from the legacy market, they don't have the language. And they don't understand the language. So by being able to put them through the accelerator and be like, this is what a data room is. This is what needs to be in the data room. Like very explicitly, not like just saying, oh, you need a data room. Okay, what does that mean? I actually give a class 
around what is needed in a data room before you get to me. And I'm not expecting you to be fully prepared, right. but my team will work with you to get your data room. We have an internal due diligence team that works with the founder before uh-huh. it ever goes to the transactional lawyers for them wow. to look at it. So they have everything that they need already because that due diligence list that the lawyers give you, it's scary. It's <laughs> scary. If you've never had that a due diligence list, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. They, a lot of those are just cover your butts from those lawyers. They're like, we better just yeah. give them, make sure they have everything. You don't always need everything that they tell you, to, but they, they have to cover their butts. So they make sure, yep. Oh, I told you that you need that. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, but you told me a thousand other things too. Right. I know, I know. Well, for investors that want to participate, are there mm-hmm. opportunities for them to participate in your fund? There are opportunities. We're still raising our fund. Oh, good. Okay, so same thing. They would just go to your website yeah. and okay, good. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. They can do all of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we have all the links to the People's Group Fund in the show notes. So if you're looking to raise capital or you're an investor that wants to invest in in a, this seems like a no-brainer, but if you want to invest in a really good opportunity, I would suggest clicking the links in the show notes or going to the PodConnect website. I know Christine or somebody from her team would be happy to speak with you about this. Christine, I wish we had more time. We're going to have to do this again because this is exciting and it's also important that we get this message out. So thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, Your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.